Action Park Media. That intense scrutiny came to a head after San Diego's third game of the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. 36-yard line. Fumble by Ryan Leaf. We played a horrific game. The one guy who played as poorly as you could play was Ryan Leaf. Don't talk to me, all right? Knock it off! He was caught on camera in the locker room yelling at a reporter. I misdirected my anger after the Kansas City game. I was extremely disappointed in my performance, and I let it show. He was a little bit overwhelmed by, by all the attention, by all the money, uh, by the expectations that we all had for him. So as that sudden kind of reversed. Welcome back, everybody, to Bust, uh, the Ryan Leaf story. We've had some interesting uh, guests on here on these bonus uh, episodes for you. Uh, I think this this next guest, um, you know, everybody truly knows in my story because it's one that was a snapshot, right? The internet had just started. Viral videos didn't necessarily exist. Uh, I gave the world a, a very viral video, right? Uh, our next guest... Uh, Jay Posner, at the time, beat writer for the San Diego Union Tribune. I believe, Jay, you're you're the sports editor now. Is that is that right? I am the sports editor for exactly four more weeks, actually. I'm uh, I'm, I'm retiring effective December 2nd from the paper. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been quite a run. And and, uh, and certainly covering the Chargers during that time is a big part of it. It was. Um, and uh, I thought you would be a perfect guest simply because of your perspective the the podcast is me in front of a microphone telling my story now it's taken me a long time to get there where i can sit in front of a microphone and tell the truth where there's no rabbit trails or things like that but perspective of how i viewed something may be different like if you know if, if all, you and i are standing on a street corner opposite sides and we see a car accident we're most likely going to have a, a different perspective on what we saw and what went down it i think you probably could like in my career in San Diego is to a car accident and how I viewed it and how maybe you viewed it. So let's start at the beginning. You know, the Chargers coming off a Super Bowl run a few years earlier, they had established themselves a wonderful defense. Uh, they had hired a new head coach who struggled a bit, um, but were in the need of a quarterback. What was it like leading up to the 1998 NFL draft? And what was your thoughts on on where the Chargers should go and where they would go? Well, there was so much anticipation. Uh, the Chargers had the third pick at the time. They wound up trading up to the second pick uh, with Arizona. Uh, they had had a bad 97 under Kevin Gilbride. Um, Stan Humphreys, the quarterback who had taken to the Super Bowl and gotten hurt, I think about halfway through that season. And if I'm not mistaken, they lost their last eight games maybe. In uh, in '97, wound up four and twelve. Had the high draft pick. You know, you and and Peyton were at the top of the draft. Everybody was excited here about getting a quarterback. Really hadn't had a franchise quarterback here since Dan Fouts. Had been through a lot of guys. Stan Stan was a really good player. Took him to a Super Bowl. I don't think anybody would ever consider Stan a franchise quarterback. But this was the opportunity. I think in in people's minds that the Chargers were going to get the franchise quarterback that they hadn't had for oh, over a decade, actually, since uh, since Dan had retired. I, I don't know at the time. I think people here, and I know I was certainly more familiar with your career in college uh, because you were closer, you were in the, the Pac-10 at the time, uh, played in the Rose Bowl, all that stuff. So people had watched you probably more than they had watched Peyton. And everybody seen Peyton and everybody thought he was, you know, going to be a great player. Um, I, if I'm, you know, I don't have any notes from the draft or anything like that, but, but I seem to remember thinking that, first of all, I think everybody had the consensus belief was both of you guys were going to be stars. Whoever the Colts took, it was going to be their pick. The Chargers were going to get the next guy and both guys were going to have great careers and you're going to have a great rivalry and all that stuff that you've, you know, you've heard many times. Um, and I was along those lines. I think the feeling was Peyton was sort of the guy that was established a little bit, that played more games. Uh, you were the guy that had maybe a little more upside because you hadn't played as much. Um, and there was a, a thought that either way, the Chargers, the Chargers couldn't lose. Uh, I don't honestly know which, which of you guys that they preferred. I think they were happy to get either one. I think there were probably people in the organization 
uh, thought it was great that that you were quote unquote falling uh, to uh, to them at number two, but they were obviously excited. They made sure to jump ahead of Arizona, so they were guaranteed to get uh, to get one of you. And I, I think that's the sense that I had, you know, sort of going into the draft uh, was that either guy was going to be great. I felt the same way. I, I and when I knew that. Uh, it was between Indianapolis and San Diego after they made that trade. Like, I, like we wanted to go to San Diego. I had family in Encinitas. Um, I was on the West Coast, essentially played in the conference in that footprint. The idea of, of San Diego weather and women and just all of the things that, that – so I was more than happy to make that, that go. In fact, we even, you know, let the Indianapolis Colts know that, you know, we were really weren't interested. You know, I, that's why I think this was such a – could have been such a uh, a marriage between the two because when everything led to the draft, I think people in San Diego were excited. And ultimately, when the draft happened in April of 97, or sorry, April of 98, I think the city was so ready to welcome me, and I was so ready to try try to be the, that guy for everybody, not, not fully understanding what that meant, right, as a 22-year-old kid, 21 at the time. Um, you know, what that meant, what, what was the, uh, what were some of the things you, you heard leading up to the draft? Um, and then ultimately the perspective you had, uh, of April of 98, when I was drafted in the, in the process of me, uh, coming out to that first press conference and in a way we went. Yeah. I mean, I think the perspective was excitement. Uh, there's no doubt, as I said, the city was ready to embrace a new a new quarterback and, and, you know, everybody was, was eager to get somebody in here. And like I said, I think probably a lot of people um, really believed, really believed in you and were excited about, about you. And, and, you know, the first, the first press conference, um, I, I, it was, you know, very uh, widely attended, I guess you would say by, you know, all the media folks, the all the media folks here. And I think, you know, we even had, uh, I think Jim Trotter, our, our main beat writer back then was with you at the, at the draft. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, I, I, it was just, I mean, when I was thinking about this, when you asked me to do this, all I could think about was the excitement was the word that kept coming to mind because people were excited, uh, about all this and, you know, leading into that, that press conference and, and I know there was, you know, a little bit made that you stopped in Vegas the night before and 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 that sort of thing. But I, I don't know that that was considered any sort of warning sign at the time. It's easy to look back now and say, oh, geez, look at, you know, look at that. But like you said, you were a 21-year-old kid. You were excited about what happened. You wanted to go to Vegas, party during the night, and then you, you'd come here and, hey, anybody can ace a press conference, uh, you know, especially an introductory press conference like that where everybody... It's it's not like you're going to get grilled about a bunch of uh, a bunch of difficult subjects or anything. So uh, I, I don't I don't think there were any any signs or anything like that. And I, I think the excitement continued, you know, all the way through the rest of the off season um, and and up until training camp and all that. So I, I I never sensed that there was any any trepidation on anybody's part or anything like that. I mean, it was this like it was the perfect seemed like it was going to be the perfect marriage. You wanted to be here. Chargers wanted you to be here. Fans wanted you to be here. Uh, the stadium had just expanded, um, you know, because the Super Bowl was coming here. I mean, it was, this was going to change the franchise and get, and get the franchise back to where it had been, you know, just a, couple, a few years earlier with the, with the Super Bowl run, which was just what in 94. So it, it had only been a couple of years. Yeah. I remember, uh, uh, taking that flight and, and uh, inviting all my friends from Montana who didn't get to go to the draft to, to Vegas. It was on the way. And Mr. Spanos, you know, uh, Alex and, and Dean had no, no issue with us stopping there. They had a place in Vegas. It was, you know, they were like, enjoy yourself, enjoy your dad, your family. Um, and so to your point, revisionist history, it's like now everybody goes always, oh, you know, and, and I love hearing the stories now, like Bill Polian or somebody, uh, who wrote something about how Peyton showed up and said, give me the playbook. And Ryan said, I'm going to Vegas, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, and it's, it's so funny because that's not, not how it was at all, but we were so excited to, to, you know, celebrate. I mean, this was, I was never supposed to get, get where I got, I mean, I'm a kid from Montana, 
And so this was a really oppor- a neat opportunity for me. And until this day, I still look back at that night as one of the greatest nights of my life. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't look back at a Jay and go, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have got to experience that with my friends and my family. Um, Cause it's still, you know, one of the greatest nights of my life. It's still. Yeah. It doesn't target. seem like, it doesn't seem like a bad thing. No. I mean, I really, I really don't, I really don't think it is. And I, I think, you know, Today, if if you were doing that today, you'd have posts on Instagram and and you know all that kind of stuff, and everybody would be like, "Oh, you know, great, you deserve to have a great time." I mean, it's it's April. I don't even know what the date was or something. April eighteenth, yes, eighteenth. Okay, so it's April eighteenth. The season starts, you know, five months later. Training camp starts three months later. I mean, it, I, I I just it, it's not a big deal that somebody wanted to go have a good time in Vegas, especially. It's on the way, you know. It's it. It wasn't and like it, it was, and it uh, like the. It didn't ask to go to the Caribbean for the night or something, uh, something like that. And as you said, the Spanos has had a lot of business. Uh, I, I, they had a place in Vegas. They did a lot of business in Vegas. I, I, I really don't think that anybody, you know, sh- even to this day, should really bat an eye about that. And you know, when I woke up the next morning, and uh, I, I, I do, you know, I think it was a, maybe a bit of a test too. The Spanos just wanted to see if I took things seriously enough that I wouldn't go out and get shit faced, right. And just be a mess the next morning. And, um, you know, take it seriously. Like I drank water all night. I just, I just wanted to celebrate with my family. Look at my dad, like my dad's a two tour Vietnam veteran who, when he came home, got spit on right. And now his son was, was being drafted in the NFL. He's just flying on the private plane for the first time. Like his son was and with a billionaire owner of a football team, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so I, I understood the assignment. I did. I understood the assignment. I didn't quite understand what the assignment would entail moving forward. But when I walked into that press conference, I can look back at now and and see it's just a kid. It's just a kid standing up there going, this is the coolest thing in the world. I'm going to, I'm going to play for 16 years, give you guys hopefully a couple Super Bowl parades. I mean, what is, what else are you supposed to say in that moment as the franchise quarterback? Yeah, that's it. I mean, you're, you're there to, because, you know, look, you were picked high, and you were picked high by this team because this team was terrible the year before. So, uh, you know, of course, everybody is going to be excited, uh, excited about it. And and that that's what they wanted to hear. I mean, yeah, that, that was what and that was what people believed. You know, Chargers had been to the Super Bowl, like I said, just three, three years earlier. So there was no reason to think that you couldn't come in here and uh, and and take them to the back to those same to those same heights. I walked in um, in that off season, and I remember going to practice and uh, well, meeting Junior Seau and meeting Rodney Harrison, and I really liked Kevin Gilbright. They brought June Jones in as the quarterback coach. I am a I was a player who liked to be confronted. I liked confrontation um, and how I was coached and coached hard. And as you know, Kevin Gilbride was as good at, at that as anybody of being able to right. be confrontational and, and kind of pull you to the mat. But he also was the coach that lets you go back at him. And that was like my coach in college, Mike Price. We would go at each other. But at the end of the day, we both knew we were going towards something we wanted. And he really took me under my under his wing. He he brought Warren Moon in to talk to me, who was his quarterback. Uh, there was some talk that Warren was actually going to be a, a quarterback that would come in and, and be a mentor and, and, you know, backup quarterback. But in, in lieu of that, he had Warren tell me about how to prepare, how to like Mondays, Tuesdays, massages, you know, get, get your body right and how to go about it. So he was, he was very helpful in all that aspect of things. And I, I had to hold out for a couple of days because of my contract. But when I came, it was a circus. Do you remember like the helicopters were above and there was, yeah. It was just the show. And I, I, I had noticed, I didn't notice the shift when I look back and and see some of my interactions and some of my uh, interactions with reporters leading up to like the Rose Bowl. And after that, that pedestal that I was on and I kind of the narcissism and entitlement started to, Mm -hmm. to, to show itself, I think. And everybody was telling me how great I was and I had, a, I had one of the greatest football players of all time and junior sale walking me around, calling me baby boy. Like I was the, you know, it was, um, when everybody tells you you're great, you, you, you start to believe it. And, uh, and I was never good at, at taking criticism. And so we went into that season, you know, full go, everybody expected big things. And I think maybe the, the worst possible thing that could have happened, Jay, is for us and me to win my first two starts. Well, over in Indianapolis, Peyton 
was embarrassed and lost their first two and threw a bunch of, I mean, what do you remember about training camp and leading into those first two matchups against the Buffalo Bills and then on the road against Steve McNair and the Tennessee Titans? Right. I remember, I don't remember a ton about the preseason other than I think he played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, during the the time to the time that you were in there. Um, and so, you know, I think, and maybe even to the point where, where people in, in the media as well, maybe sort of forgot that you were, that you were going to be a quarterback in the NFL and it wasn't that easy. Uh, but, but it, it was a situation where those first two games, um, the bills, the bills played here in San Diego. Um, you didn't have a great game. Uh, and I think, you know, even looking back, I mean, the numbers are not great, but the, but, but you won and, and the chargers won the game. And hey, that was great. I mean, like I said, they've lost the I think the last eight in '97, so it's one and zero. Going to Nashville, uh, played at Vanderbilt. I remember yep. the game was uh, was at Vanderbilt because the the other stadium didn't open for another year, uh, I believe. So uh, again, not a great game. Uh, I remember you did some more. You did some damage with your legs in that game. Yeah, uh, a couple couple big runs and. Um, um, didn't turn it over. That was the biggest thing that, that gave yeah. confidence. I didn't turn it over. And then I found out that the NFL, we only had two possessions in the first half. So I, I was figuring out that like you have limited chances. Like you cannot taking care of the football was the number one priority as the quarterback in an NFL. Yeah. And then I, I, for some reason, this sticks, this sticks in my head, but I remember the interviews, I think for that game, a lot of them were done outside. Um, because the, the locker rooms are kind of small and all that stuff and, and college locker rooms and everything at that. And that was an old stadium. And I remember that I think you, it did like an interview on, on ESPN or with ESPN or something where they had taped it. They had a reporter there. Um, might've even been, I, I don't remember who it was, but I remember sort of seeing your body language, watching you do the interview and, and you, and it, you had the sense of like, Hey, I, you know, this is kind of, and maybe this wasn't in your head, but I just had the sense where you were thinking, "Hey, this is kind of easy." Um, you know, I played two games in the NFL. We're two and zero. What, you know, sort of, what's the big deal uh, about about all of this? Everybody's telling me how hard it is, and and we've we've won two games, and 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 everything's going okay, and 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 I'm sure you weren't thinking, "Hey, I haven't played great," but you were, like I said, the team was two and zero, and. Um, and then I, you know, next the, the following week and leading up to that week, um, there were always rumors about what happened that week of the Kansas City game going into. It. And I think you were were you in the hospital? You were in the hospital for a night um, with with uh, with what we were told was in what we were told was an infection. And again, revisionist history. People were like, oh, you know, he was out partying and he got sick and all that sort of thing. And that was the kind of stuff that. That happened back then, um, but that whole week was sort of you know leading up to that game in Kansas City, which I know you want to get to. That was a that was a weird week, and I and but in Nashville, that was sort of the high point. I mean, look, everything was everything was going great. The Chargers were two and zero. Uh, you know, you were doing interviews with ESPN, and and I'm sure it was a happy flight home, uh, and and all that. It was. It was a happy flight home. I think it was the interview was with NBC or was with CBS because the game was a CBS game uh -huh. and went back to NFL Today or wherever it was. And, you know, the rookie quarterback goes on the road, beats Steve McNair. Yeah. Um, you know, doesn't turn it over. My my agent's right there. My marketing agent he puts a, a bottle of Pepsi in my hand while I was doing it. I mean, it was just all like the, the dream. Like you, you're going to play in the NFL. You're going to buy for Super Bowls. You're going to be you know, sponsored by Pepsi. And it just, it was all, it was, it was real. And it was like, okay, this is, this is how it goes. This is how it is. All right. Uh, to your point, it wasn't great, right? Two interceptions a week one against only one touchdown. I hadn't thrown another touchdown in the game we won. So, you know, it was like, okay, let's, let's go. And now we got a divisional opponent and, and we'll see how that works. And then I got home and I had on one of those long runs you talked about, uh, I had slid and that old Vanderbilt turf. And remember how hot it was that day? I mean, it yep. was, it was a scorcher and I was wearing uh, leggings or tights um, underneath my uh, pants. And when I slid, it just evaporated. It just melted. And when it, mm -hmm. it, I got like a rug burn and when the rug burn, the, the, the fabric got into my, my skin and we didn't clean it out appropriately. And then come Monday, I had spiked like a, 
like a huge fever and we couldn't understand why. And they got me admitted to the hospital. I had this line that was running up my thigh and I had a, I had a staph infection in, in my leg. And so I spent two, uh, I can't remember how many nights, but I remember June Jones coming to the hospital with a beta machine with the tapes and we're watching, we're watching film getting ready because in my mind, I was like, oh man, this is the story. Like the dudes in the hospital comes out and, and, and wins the game on the road at Arrowhead. Um, you know, and, but no matter what, I wasn't good. I wasn't not going to play. And I remember my mom asking me like, just, just listen to the doctors and just, you know, you know, she was, she was always so worried about me because she knew who I was kind of. And, and w when things went bad, she knew how, how I, how I truly dealt with stuff and things that had gone bad for me for so long that no one had the experience of seeing it. And so, you know, I walked out of that hospital, I think on Thursday, um, you know, I maybe did like a, a bit of a walkthrough on the Friday uh, on the flight. Um, and then Sunday, you know, whatever Sunday morning took the IVs, went out for warmups, you know, felt pretty darn good. Now, I don't know if I had a full grasp on the game plan simply because I wasn't a part of the, the, the team really that week, but I was going to play, right. You weren't right. going to, Greg Wheelahan wasn't going to, going to play. I was going to play. And so great warm up coming to the locker room. You under, you remember the the skies just closed in on the stadium and became um, a monsoon of sorts. Um, and we went out, and I always hated the rain. Uh, footballs in the rain for me was always a problem. Coach Price back in college used to have a ruin Ryan self-esteem day by bringing a bucket of water out and me having to dump the ball in the water to get ready to to experience that. Of course, didn't didn't even think about that during that week of that game. Like you know, the weather was going to be fine in our eyes. Mm -hmm. Third week of the season. And uh, I complete my first pass. We run a little bootleg. I dump it off to Freddie Jones, four-yard pickup, and away we go. Yeah. Last time the ball ends up in my my teammates' hands. The rest of the game, yeah. one, for, one for fifteen, four yards, like two interceptions, three fumbles. The water, the rain. Now, Rich Gannon didn't play much better on the other side of the mm -hmm. football. Like it was a bad football game on both sides. Uh, Natron means ran well for us. Our defense has always played really good, but I made a bunch of mistakes. You know, I made a bunch of mistakes, and ultimately, Coach Gilbride had to bench me at the end of the game to finish it out that that hurt a lot for me too because i had i wanted to go in the game so let me finish let me finish my shit show kind of mentality <laughs> and then we walked in the locker room and i i was i jay i'd never had a game like that in my life where i played so poorly where i played so bad i was humiliated i was embarrassed and i was sitting at my locker uh you witnessed it i can't really remember i know there was a cameraman there uh he had the way I remember it is that he, uh, it was one of those big, huge cameras with the, with the big batteries on the end. And he had kind of yep. swung around and, and, and made hit me near the head or something like that. And then I just unloaded on him. Right. I just give me the perspective you have watching this as a, a reporter in the locker room after a devastating loss where I played horribly and then behaving that way with what it turns out was an employee of the team essentially as a, as a filmographer. Right. Right. And, and it, it's, I, I find it interesting and I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I remember your stats from that game as well. And you were, and you rattled them off just like, just like I would have, but, and I, I shouldn't be surprised that you would, I'm not even sure why I do other than I kind of remember those couple of days, you know, probably more than I remember what I had for lunch the other day. Yeah. Um, but um, I do remember going in the locker room and, I, and my assignment back then was, was um, to be in the locker room to make sure that we got the guys that we had to get. And obviously you were one of them. Um, and, and at the time the, the coach would be off doing a press conference somewhere else. So there weren't a lot of media in the locker room, I think at that particular time, because some of the guys were over talking to Gilbert. Um, but this camera guy that was there, uh, Jeff LaValle is his name. Um, he's still around. I, I actually played golf with him once this year. And uh, he's he's retired and and still lives here. Really really good guy, and he was just you know I think he kind of kind of got in your way a little bit. I didn't remember and I didn't know if he if he clipped you or not or if it just came close to you. Um, and you you know you like you said you unloaded on him. Didn't probably didn't even know he was working for the team at the time. It was a, it was a tough game for you. I I didn't remember. I didn't think it was a huge deal. And and that was why when I wrote about it the next day. I mean, I literally wrote, like, I, I did this thing for the paper the next day that was called, it was sort of a hot knot yep. type of thing. Yep. And and so it was under the what's not category. And I remember writing 
uh, that you know you were you were what was not hot, which was obvious. And and then I I said something like it wasn't just for what happened on the field, but it was also you know that he that he yelled at this guy after the game, and it just didn't seem to be any reason to to do that. And that was that was really it, yes. as from my perspective. Um, and and maybe he had a different read on it. Obviously, at the time he did, but that was that was it. That was my read on it was it was something that you know you blew up in the locker room to me it wasn't a professional thing to do and you know gave the guy a little more a little more stick than he probably deserved regardless of what happened and you were frustrated and that's why i didn't try to make a big deal of it it was you said it was it was two sentences in a, on a day when i when i probably wrote two thousand words yeah uh, you know after the game and it was just a small part of our uh of our post-game coverage it was, and you were doing your job, and I was so humiliated and so embarrassed. And I can tell you right now, Jay, I would go on and play, what, you know, four or five more years in the league, bounce around from different teams. But my career ended after that game, and it wasn't because of how I played. It was because of how I dealt with it. And um, I went home, uh, probably drank myself silly that night in, in, in de- you know, in depressive ways. Um, didn't allow for, you know, any sort of consternation around you were in a hospital all week. It was raining. It's all these things. And my teammates knew it. And guess what? Bobby Bether knew it. My coaches knew it. They all knew it. They just wanted a, a man to be at the helmet quarterback and to take ownership of it and say, Hey, you know, tough one, gotta be better, gonna be better. Instead, I read everything that was written. You seemed like a very um, approachable target for me to kind of take my my wrath out on or project project the way I was feeling about how, hey, you need to respect the, I mean, you you tell us what, what the conversation was more about, but my mindset was like, I was going to be the big man, intimidating football player and say, hey, we have to have a better relationship. The locker room's my sanctuary. Um, and if you don't fall, get in line with me, then I'm going to, you know, fuck you up type of mentality. It, mm-hmm. t- tell us about what that, what that moment was like in the locker room before that cameraman flipped it around and ultimately got uh, the viral video on tape. That's exactly how, how I remember it. That, you know, and, and you were, I, I remember, you know, we always uh, went in the locker room on Mondays and, and interviewed guys about what had happened and what was ahead. And so... I mean, the quarterback was the guy we interviewed every Monday, whether you were, whether you, you know, looked like John Elway the day before, or you played like, you know, one for 15 the day before you were going to be a guy that everybody was going to want to talk to. I remember it was over in that corner, sort of in the corner locker, uh, uh, there. And we talked, you said what you said, you know, didn't have a good game, got to do better. I, I don't even remember the, the quotes or anything, and the, I bet you well, I didn't say that. I bet you I didn't yeah. say that. I bet you I blamed no, somebody. I, yeah, maybe. I, I I honestly don't remember what was said, but I don't remember that it was anything that it was anything terrible, and I don't, and I certainly don't remember that it was anything confrontational. I mean, you might have been, you know, sort of dour, you know, in a bad mood, but I think everybody would sort of understand that that was that was the case. And then I remember you. Um, people started to to shuffle off. Uh, and and disperse and you said hey jay do you have a minute and i said sure because i mean i that was always and and i didn't feel like we i wouldn't say we had a good or bad relationship at the time i don't think we didn't have much of a relationship you would dealt was, more, mostly was, with with it trotter was, it was exactly what it was you know you were doing yeah. your job i was yeah so it was yeah so it wasn't like it wasn't like people i think people think animosity existed too like this was building up to some big thing right. and literally like after it happened to i became a piece of shit to the media, but like you and I never had another, another problem. No, I mean, we, we communicated after that and, and, and all that, uh, happened, but, but anyway, so that was sort of the idea leading up to it was, okay, he, he wants to talk to me. And I, and I honestly didn't know what, what it was about. I mean, I, you know, I don't even remember what was going through my head other than it, it certainly wasn't, uh, boy, I wrote something terrible about him and I wrote a whole column about him and he wants to, he wants to air me out here. It was just, okay, guy wants to, I mean, other guys had asked to talk before and, and, you know, I think most people in, in my 
line of work. If, if someone says, hey, I want to talk to you for a second, you know, you do it. You, you make yourself available just like we expect athletes to make themselves available. So that was that was my perspective on the, the moment where I where then we sat next to each other, uh, you know, on that bench. And then you started talking. Um, I, I big intimidating football player. That's how I thought I win. Um, and, and that's in, and when I watch the video, I can just, I see that petulant child in me not being able to cope with things the right way, uh, do what I only knew what to do. And that was to intimidate and show, try to show somebody who was boss, but in the, in the process looking like a, 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 a child and junior comes rushing in, of course, to, to pull me away. And, and I mean, the look on your face, you're just dumbfounded that this kid is, yeah. <laughs> is, is doing that. And, uh, and I've always felt so sorry for you in that moment because like, you know, what are you supposed to do this? You know, it's this, this crazed individual right here because of his, um, you know, cause his pride is hurt is, is taking it out on me. And, uh, what was kind of the fallout the rest of that day for you as it became a, you know, it became a viral thing. It became, a story. You became part of the story uh, because of my actions. Well, I want, real quick, I wanted to, if you don't mind, to go over exactly the, the conversation and see if you remember it um, the way that I do. And um, which was basically, you know, you you said what, to me what you had just said earlier on here about the locker rooms kind of, you know, our place and, and what happens in the locker room um, is none, pretty much none of your business. And, and it's it's not anything for you to to, to write about. And, and a couple of times when you were talking, I tried to, I tried to interrupt you to give my side and you said, no, no, let me talk. And then, you know, and then you, I'll listen to you basically. And, and I said, okay. And so when you finished, I, I think I said something like, are you done or are you through? And you said, and you said, yeah. And I said, okay, so here's, here's my perspective of it. And I don't remember the exact words, but basically said, look, when the locker room's open, you know, the, my job's to report on what I see and hear in the locker room. And I think that was probably about as far as I got. And and then that's when you, you know, <clears throat> when you stood over me and yelled and I mean, the rest of it's on camera. So that, uh, is that pretty much how you remember in that? In that yeah, I don't remember. Or not even remember it. I, oh, I, yeah. Cause you, you know, ang you're angry and you, I remember the mindset of what I was trying to relate to you. Like, Hey, uh, you're a peon. Um, mm -hmm. I'm the star don't fuck with me, uh, in my sanctuary. And, uh, and you were just, you know, you, you had a backbone and a man who was doing his job and said, Hey, you know, this is my job. And it's not my fault that you, you know, behaved in a fashion, which was not, you know, not appropriate. And, uh, he didn't say that, but that's the way I interpreted it. And it was like a, a slight. And I was like, I'm going to show you who's in charge here. And clearly, you know, I, the wrong way, absolutely the wrong way. And um, so what was the fallout like the rest of the day? Yeah. Just when it became this thing over the next week leading into that New York Giants game? Well, the mis I think the real misfortune on your part here it was, that the, it was that the guy turned his camera on. Yeah. Because I've always told people that um, if, if the camera didn't go on, it probably gets reported that, you know, jerk quarterback yells at jerk reporter. Yeah. Was, is pretty much how I, I would have seen it. It would have been a one-day story. Um, you know, nobody would have cared. I, the, you probably would have apologized because the team would have told you to apologize, and that would have been it. The camera changed, you know, the camera changes everything. And, and I think at that point, I was, you know, I was kind of stunned a little bit or, or stunned a lot, as you yeah. could, uh, as you could tell, because I just didn't, uh, I just didn't expect it. And um, I really did feel like it wasn't my place to be part of the story. I had people asking if I wanted to be interviewed on camera, and I, I wanted nothing to do with that. Um, I didn't want to make it look like I was trying to profit from any of this. It, like and I think some media people would have done that. Some people were, into, you know, would want to build a profile on all that stuff. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm better than them or anything like that, but that just wasn't what I wanted to do. And the one thing, I, you know, I, I felt like I was owed an apology. Um, I, I one mistake I think you made afterwards was I think you should have apologized in person. Um, it would have seemed more genuine than calling me on your way home. 
which is um, how I remember. How I don't I remember. even see. I don't even remember calling you on the way home. So yeah, yeah, you called. You called me as I remember it. You called me on the way home. You said you were sorry. You know, honestly, I didn't believe. Um, and and you probably didn't either. But someone told you. You know, probably Bill or somebody told you. The PR guy Bill told you you had to you had to do it. So you did it. Um, you know, the fallout was people tried to make, you know, it was a big deal. And again, I think it, it could have disappeared in a couple of different ways going forward that the next, um, that was on a Monday, Tuesday was an off day Wednesday. Of course, everyone wanted to talk about it again. Um, and I don't remember being in the locker room on that Wednesday and I'm not sure why. Um, but you read a statement of apology that day. Um, and then the mistake you made, which I'm sure you've looked back on is, you know, you said it and then you had the kind of this look on your face, like, all right, you know, did I do this? And you crumpled up the paper and tossed it aside. And it was, you know, and so I think everybody, you know, sort of took that as like, well, you know, he, he didn't learn anything from this. Um, you're exactly right. I mean, my yeah, dad, yeah. my dad shaped the, 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 the statement for me. He was visiting that week with some business associates. Uh, you know, I felt like, you know, um, stop making me do stuff I don't want to do. I didn't like the guy for what he wrote. I told him so. I'm just, you know, that I'm I'm the I'm the important person here. Here, he's not important. So stop trying to make him important. That's <laughs> my my twisted mindset at the time. And so I, I just told you that my career ended after that third game because of how I dealt with everything. And. I always wanted to know from your perspective now for over the rest of the season. And then of course, you know, over the next two years while I was there as a reporter covering me, when, when you were, what was it like? Like, did you see, did you just look at me like this dude is burning his house down on a daily basis? I mean, what was the, what were you thinking from a third party watching it play out the way it was? Cause I couldn't see it. Right. I just thought everybody was out to get me and it was not my fault. And there was blinders on to it all. What, what was it like for you coming into work? Was it like, Oh my God, I get content for days now. This dude is a absolute train wreck or, yeah, or what was it like? There was a little bit like that. And I do want to say one other thing that when I said it, it could have ended differently, there's one other way that it could have that it could have you could have altered sort of the story there, and which I've I've always said as well. There was a game that week, obviously. Um, it was against the Giants, who who came to the to San Diego and played. And I always thought that if you had had a good game that day, everything would have been forgotten. Because look, that's for the most part, that's all fan. I mean, you and I both know this. That's what fans care about. Yeah. I mean, I've heard this. You know, when when Gilbride Coles practices and and everybody made a big deal out of that. Fans didn't care. Fans still don't care about that stuff. I, I think fans should care more about access to to athletes. And and now that you're on this side, you can probably we see it as well. I mean, I I do think that that it makes for better coverage. And I think fans in general benefit from that, even if they don't see it. But all fans care about is winning. If you had gone out on that Sunday, played a good game and threw, and I always said this: if you threw four touchdown passes that Sunday instead of four interceptions. People would have cheered you instead of booed you, and it all would have been forgotten. But, you know, again, unfortunately, in your case, you had a bad game. You threw four picks. You got booed. It's like, wow, Ryan Leaf's getting booed. I mean, he was the the golden child. You know, the, the last time you had played at home yeah. was the season opener. The Chargers had won. You know, everything was was happy in, in Chargerville. Uh, so I think that, you know, that didn't help. And it, and to think that you could have played a good game that week is probably expecting too much based on what, you know, how you thought. If I was, if I was, yeah, if I was, uh, <laughs> if I was a different quarterback, one that was meant for success, a guy could compartmentalize something like that and play well. And I just, you know, I, I wasn't mentally capable of doing it. The, the, the breaking point for me was the make a wish uh, commercial on the Jumbotron yeah. that I'd done with some, some terminal That's kids in right. the whole, the whole stadium booted. Yeah, and um, I, I in that moment I, I I remember thinking, "Fuck them all!" I'm gonna, you know, that's that's. I mean, it really was, and I started. I, I went into bunker mentality, and it was a, it was a fight or flight mentality for the rest of my time in San Diego. Um, and you were you had a front row view. Um, like I asked before, yeah. What what was that perspective like? Watching a guy burn everything to the ground that he had. 
I think at the beginning it was sort of, and and I don't want to say that I have like hard feelings toward you, but I obviously in the moment you're thinking, yeah, okay, this guy's getting what he deserves. Yeah, karma. and yeah, and and I, you know, I haven't looked back at, at our coverage back then or anything like that. Um, I I wouldn't, I, but I never, and I didn't, and I did tell people this. I I never had. I, I never disliked you or hated you or anything like that over this kind of thing. I mean, I understood what what it was, and there finally there there came a point, and it was probably more in 2000 because the the 99 season was such a wash uh, and such a, and such a waste on on like everyone's behalf. Um, it was probably more in 2000 where I I, I, I kind of, there was part of me that that did feel bad for you and that 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 you didn't see what was, I think more that you didn't see what was happening. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think our, I don't think the difference, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, you're probably 15 years or so older, younger than I am uh, at this point. So I, I guess at, at that point, I mean, I was in my thirties. So, you know, I guess I had the wisdom of the world and all that stuff, which I really didn't, but, you know, I had more than, I had more than me did. Yeah, and it was and it was easy to see from my standpoint, like, gosh, this guy should be he should be learning from this and he should be working to change this and he should be working to change, you know, what's become the the Ryan Leaf narrative, which is that he's he's crashing and burning and he's not doing anything to help himself. And so I think I, I can't say what I actually remember in the moment, but I know looking back at it, that's that's how it feels, is that, you know. This was a, this the the overall story was a was a waste, and it was an unfortunate waste of of talent because you know nobody can question that you know you've had you've had great talent and but it's look you know life's full of what we do what can we do better uh, anybody can look back on something that they did before and say gosh I would have done it better it's unfortunate we don't know you know you can't go back and relive that. Uh, but maybe you know, look, look what uh, and, and look what's happened since, and 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 you know, we've both gone on with our lives, and hopefully, we've made good good lives out of it. And and we, you know, you seem to have helped a lot of people. It's it's taken it's taken you to, and I know this isn't what you asked, but I but it's what I think about when we talk is that you went through a rough patch. You probably hurt a lot of people, um, you know, during the time that, of this and and afterward. But I see now as someone who's trying to do the right thing. And I think you tried once before and it didn't work, but you're trying again. And and I think it's great that what you're doing, and I think this whole series is great that you're looking back and the fact that you call it bust. You know, it you couldn't have done that 20 years ago. You wouldn't have called it that. You would have, you know, you would have said, no, that's a yeah, I'm not going to use that term to describe uh describe myself. But the fact that you can look back on it now. I think says you know says something uh, about how far I guess how far you've come maybe I mean I, you're not looking for my validation but but uh, and and I'm not really trying to make it sound like that's what I'm doing but I, I do think that w when people ask me how I you know what do you think about Ryan at this point I'm like hey I think it's great that he's making something he's he's doing what he should have done a long time ago but he wasn't mature enough back then, but he's matured and, and look what he's doing now. And, and look, we're always going <laughs> to, there's always that thing where, uh, you know, I still have people to this day and, you know, it's been what, 24 years or something like that since it happened. Still had people who say, Oh, you were the guy Ryan Lee yelled that. And I've always said that, that, you know, everybody has an, in their obituary, it always starts with, you know, Jay Posner comma who, and Mike, after the comma, is who basically got yelled at by Ryan Faith in the locker room. And everybody has to be known for something. And, you know, that's one of the, hopefully that's not all I'm known for. And and honestly, hopefully it's not all that you're known for either. Yeah, I, it's the snapshots of our lives. Uh, when when people uh, when people are there to notice. And it's, uh, it's something that has, it's been a caricature of mine. And it's one that stuck with you. And I appreciate uh, what you said, um, after I left San Diego and my career, you know, you know, every, every stop there was, there wasn't the same type of problems, but I just never, never, uh, achieved the talent. I, I, 
uh, I had uh, and was ex- and it met the expectations that dealt with the injuries, of course, the risks that that ultimately I think cost me the rest of my career there in San Diego. But then afterwards, right? You know, I stayed in San Diego. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, probably one of the worst decisions I could have made because I was a pariah to people. I couldn't go out in public. I uh, I started using uh, prescription painkillers because I just I felt so horrible and mm-hmm. uh, I was dealing with such mental health issues that I didn't have diagnosed and this was my way of doing doing it. What what um, what did you start hearing and when did you start hearing it when I started getting myself into some trouble and how was that how how was that received in in the San Diego thing was was it more of a kind of like oh yeah karma karma is a bitch for this kid uh, and this is what he what he deserves. I think that was probably a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, people felt like, and and I'm sure there's still people who feel like, you know, look, you, you let down, you let down the team, therefore you let down the city. Um, you know, who knows if, if I'm sure there's people who think, gosh, if, if Ryan Leaf had had the career that Peyton Manning had, and he had been as great as, as he was supposed to be, we would have gotten a new stadium here and, and the chargers would still be here and all that stuff. That's a, that's a lot to put on one person. There's a, there's, there's a whole lot of reasons why, uh, you know, why the chargers, why the chargers left. Um, but I, I do think when, when you got in trouble, I'm there, I think there were, there was a feeling that, you know what, this is, he, he deserves it. Um, and, and, and I think that's too bad that, you know, people look at it like that. I, maybe it's understandable. I don't know. I, Wishing ill will on someone is 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 not how people should be living their lives. Um, but uh, it, it, but I think in your case that there was the you know the Chargers were the team here, and you you were the guy that was going to save them, and instead you know you drove them you drove them down. I did always say that you know one of the one of the benefits of of you crashing and burning, if I if you want to put it like that, is the Chargers were so bad in two thousand your last year here. That they got the number one pick the next year, and they turned it into Ladanian Tomlinson. Uh, so, look, it wasn't all. Uh, oh, I tell people that all the time. I tell all I, t- I tell Chargers fans all the time. You better be thanking my ass. Drew Brees and Ladanian Tomlinson came from that. That thing's so you get some of the best years of your of your existence. So uh, exactly, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but I I do think there was some 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 sort of karma thoughts at the time, uh, and uh, you know I I. I hope there's also thoughts now that that you know that, it's, that the people should hopefully people have gotten over it. Uh, look, you you know it didn't work out. You're not the first athlete that 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 let down himself or his city or or his team or anything or anything like that. You just you kind of did it in a more visible fashion than uh, you know than than most guys uh, or, or or women do. I would say, and that's that's kind of how I I put it in the podcast, and and is that I was drafted alongside arguably the greatest to play the game in Peyton Manning. It the internet had just started, the fashion in which I crashed and burned, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the and and how I went about my business and how I kept adding fuel and and fodder to the fire throughout, and then afterwards when when most people who uh, having been successful, kind of disappear and just have their name brought up in the paper. I I chose to victimize my community and um, and ultimately had to deal with the consequences. And so, I mean, to your point, when you have life experience, I I didn't find that maturity. I didn't find the acceptance and the peace until later in life after having been humbled in a way that I don't think a lot of other people uh, needed to be. Um, that learned that through experience. Um, but I did, and luckily, because of of what I don't know, um, I have a purpose, and I'm still here. And there's a teammate of mine who isn't because the stigma that exists and our unwillingness and inability to tell people when we're struggling. And I always feel like I have a ton of survivor's guilt around losing Junior Seau, mm-hmm. who was a teammate of mine for three years because I. I just think his story would be so much more impactful because of the man he was. Yeah. And why am I the one that has to carry the message in the platform now? Because, you know, I was such a piece of shit. I don't, I don't feel once anybody would ever look at Junior Stale at any point in his life and go, that dude was a piece of shit. Right. And so it, it's, it's harmful, but it, it gives me purpose. And to your point, Jay, it's, it's why I do it now. Cause it's an understanding. Uh, and I think it's important for anybody who listens to this to hear where I fucked up did something stupid 
And the person I, I, I hurt with that is understands it all. And we're able to have a conversation 25 years later. Um, and, and at no point have I ever like had any ill will like that. Guy, I, I get it. Like it was because of the choices I made mm -hmm. that got us here. No. And I, and I think that, you know, obviously, I mean, you don't need me to tell you, I mean, that shows great maturity on your part and I'm really, and I'm really happy for that. And I have mentioned to, to people many times before that, look, I, I, I think it's great. What's happened. It, what happened to Ryan was, was, yeah, tragedies are along a big word. It's not a tragedy. It's it's disappointing. It's life. It, it's life. life. Right. It's it's life for some people. Yeah. Um. But so is so is coming back from that and and as you said, realizing that that you got a purpose now that you can help people and and I think that that's something that all of us should strive for is you know make ourselves better people, make people around us better, try to try to benefit society. You know that sports can sports can benefit society. People, you know, you had a chance to do that, it didn't happen. But so you found another way. Um, I, I think in this case, and and you know, I, I think the fact that we've been able to do this uh, not just today, but we've done it one or two other times, is uh, you know, hopefully, is the lesson for for someone. Not to, I, I don't know, it sounds kind of preachy, but but I no, I, I do I mean, think. Yeah, but I do think that there's there's something to be taken out of that. As you know, I get uh, I, 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 you learn more and more, obviously, as you get older. Jay, you're about you're about what's important. Yeah, Jay, you're here. Life life is hard. We're all flawed human beings trying to be better every day. And I tell people all the time when I speak that when you talk about being of service to others, I think people always tend to go look at at donating money. You know, money's a big part of that. I tell them all the time as a fellow flawed human being your story is as serviceable as anything else because you're still here you've overcome adversity you've dealt with things like what you've dealt with and gotten to where you've gotten same with me my story is not more unique or more important or less important it's the human experience and and us being able to tell this is going to be helpful it's going to be helpful to somebody maybe a, a top draft pick that shows up and goes listen to to the experience that he had with this reporter and what it means uh, so yeah, I I I, I uh, am really grateful you took the time. I know we went longer than than expected, but I just I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and uh, and be a part of this uh, this story. No, I, I'm I'm grateful that you asked. I'm grateful to be able to uh, to do it and and happy to help you know happy to help what you're doing in any uh, in any way and and hopefully it's not the last time that we uh, you know that we get to to visit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Jay Posner, everybody. Uh, editor for the sports editor for the San Diego Union Tribune, and of course uh, the uh, star of our episode today. So I appreciate you taking the time, Jay. Thanks again. Thank you, Brian.